0: If I'm a little bit too loud, just go ahead and lower the volume just a touch. If I'm if I'm too loud out there, all right. Is everybody doing all right tonight? Good. All right. Having trouble with this court. Sorry. Just one second. So uh, there's a group of five men at a country club golf course. They all shoot halfway decent games, and at the end, they go back into the clubhouse, and they're all getting changed back into their clothes to go home to their wives. There's a cell phone sitting on one of the benches, and all of a sudden, the phone starts ringing. Bob is standing next to it, and he picks up the phone and has it on speakerphone. Hello, he says. Hi, honey. It's your wife. Oh, hi, honey. What's up? Hey, I just wanted to talk to you for a second. Um, I'm at the car dealership, and you know that new Mercedes that I wanted? I said, Yeah, yeah, another one. Well, they're running a great deal on it right now. It's only eighty-five thousand dollars. Do you think I can get it? He said, Hmm. Well, I know you've really been looking at it, and you really want it. Is it the color that you want? Yes, it is. I'll tell you what, honey. Why don't you offer them seventy-five? But if they take eighty, then you go ahead and get it. All right? She says, oh, thanks, honey, that's great. Also, while I have you on the phone, I'm gonna to go to the store after that. And I saw a brand new purse, nicest purse out there. It's two grand. What do you think? He says, that'll go great with your car. Go ahead and do that. The men are shocked at this point, going, wow, I didn't know Bob had that much money. That's, that's crazy. They're just, mouths are hanging open. Finally, uh, she says, okay, honey, one more thing. You know that house we've been looking at on the market? Says, yes, honey, I know. She says, well, it's down to $2.2 million right now. And Bob says, that's it? It dropped that much? She says, yes. He says, wow. Well, I'll tell you what, let's put an offer in, let's, let's say 10% down and we'll take the rest of it, all right? As long as everything goes through with the bank, let's do it. She says, oh, honey, you're the best. Thank you so much. He says, no problem, honey, I love you. Then hangs up the phone. The men are all shocked around the clubhouse and they don't really know what to say at this point because they had no idea that their friend Bob was a millionaire. Bob picks up the phone and says, does anybody know who this belongs to? Does anybody know whose phone this is? So, tonight, (laughs) we're going to be talking about something that that husband is probably going to be dealing with, talking a little bit about the effects of stress and anxiety on your body and how it relates to healing. (laughs) I imagine myself in that position, I would be, uh, yikes, I can't even imagine. It's a funny story to kind of illustrate some of the things that we're talking about. For those of you that um, have been following through with the last couple weeks, we talked a little bit about discipleship last week, and that was a really interesting study. Uh, we asked about what, is the, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And the Word of God says in the book of Matthew that it is enough for a disciple to be like his master. So in, in like one of the most simple definitions of a disciple is you raise you raise up someone that becomes like you so as we're becoming disciples of jesus christ and as we're studying the topic of healing as he went about healing and doing good works healing all who were oppressed to the devil the 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 greater of a disciple we become of jesus christ the more that we look like him so that's what we talked about briefly if you want the cd i'd encourage you to get it because i did something i don't normally do and that is preach i normally teach but last week i got my preach on so that was a lot of fun it was good fun The first week we talked about is the will of God to heal. Week two, we talked about faith works by love. Week three was the authority of the believer, and I don't even know what week I'm on because I don't have notes for the last two weeks. It was all inspired by the Holy Ghost, so that was a lot of fun to preach. (laughs) But this week, uh, we're going to be talking about um, a topic that I actually was not happy about that God told me to talk about. And, um, And at first, I was just like, no, give me something else. So I, that's a terrible thing to admit as a minister. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, Reverend Josh up there is like, yeah, God told me I wanted to speak on and I said no. It's like, that's, it's not, that's not a good start. So. Um, but God was very specific with me about it and gave me some material to talk about and to study. And I realized <laughs> the last couple of nights, as I was studying about stress, I was being stressed studying about stress. And I was stressing out about the message that I was going to be preaching, and I was worrying about the message that I was going to be preaching about worry. So it was not a good situation. God's like, just relax, you're fine, just relax. And I was like, ah, Lord help me. Did you know that there are medical effects to worry, fear, and anxiety? Let me read off some of the symptoms of somebody that has chronic worry, fear, anxiety, or depression. Difficulty swallowing, dizziness, a dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue and exhaustion, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability, muscle aches and muscle tension, nausea, trembling and twitching, suppression of the immune system, digestive and stomach disorders, short-term memory loss, heart attacks, depression, and suicidal thoughts and tendencies. This is from medical doctors. When I talk to you tonight about worry, fear, anxiety, stress, I'm not talking about something that's unimportant and that's not a big deal. And when, she, when God first told me to talk about this, I'm like, why am I talking about it? It's prayer and healing school. Like, why, I don't need to talk about that. And then he was like, look up some medical studies that they've done. One doctor said it like this. He said, worry, fear, and anxiety has put more people in the hospital and in the grave than almost anything else. Crazy, a medical doctor said that, one that does surgery. Ulcers in your stomach, all different kinds of stuff too. He's talking about the effects that worry, fear, and anxiety has on your physical body. And God, and God specifically spoke to me about this, and he said, listen, my people need to quit worrying. My people need to quit being afraid. My people need to quit doing all these things because it's causing unseen tension inside of their bodies. And in healing school, we're not just talking about, we're not talking about just receiving a miracle. We believe that you can receive a miracle tonight. We believe that you can receive a miracle when Mike Lynn was praying and when Mike Lynn was, was singing. I was having problems with headaches and they were gone while we were worshiping. and It was great because I was stressing out and I was having the symptoms of being stressed out. So <laughs> literally, it's everything from trouble swallowing to suppression of the immune system. Short-term memory loss, that might explain some things, babe. So I'm just, no, not for you. That, that, got, that got me really in trouble right there. But sometimes if I forget stuff, it's not because I'm not listening. Yeah, it's because I'm feeling a little bit stressed, all right? I still, I love you, all right? I'm not saying that you have problems because you have a mind like nobody's business. And you're beautiful. Did I say that? You're beautiful? I love you. Anyways, before I get myself in even more trouble, talking about fear, whew, feeling it again. Fear and worry are not okay. They're not. My goal in, in healing school is we've talked about a lot of different subjects. we talked about, can we be confident that we can even approach God and say, God, I am, I am fighting for my healing. I'm, I'm not going to let the devil run me over. Can we approach God in faith and say, it's your will that you, that you have healed me? Because according to 1 Peter 2.24, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. Amen. It's not a thing that I'm begging God to give me. It's a thing that he has given me right. that I'm implementing in my life. Right. Right? I'm not reaching out for it and say, God, please heal me. I'm saying, this is mine. Enemy, you're not taking it. The same thing has to be done with peace. Okay, I preached a message last year where I talked about what's leading you. And we had a couple different conversations about are you being led by pressure or are you being led by peace? Right, because there's a lot of different things in our life that can lead us. We can be led by pressure about, well, you need to do this, you need to do that. Well, you're feeling this and your body's feeling like that, so you need to go get surgery for this and that. And you need to be spending your money on this and that. And there's this pressure that can happen. In our lives, you look at Jesus when he was dealing with the Pharisees, the woman caught in the act of adultery. They threw this woman out in front of Jesus and said, "Jesus, we're going to kill her. Try and stop us." And Jesus is like, ignores them and starts writing down on the ground. And they're just like, "Why are you ignoring us right now? We're going to kill this woman. We're kill her. All right, try to stop us. Then we'll kill you too." And there's this pressure on them about, we need an answer, Jesus. We need an answer. Why shouldn't, we, why shouldn't we kill her? Why shouldn't we kill her? And Jesus is over there just writing in the dirt. Yeah. And then the Holy Spirit gives him the answer. Then he stands up. He who is without sin casts the first stone. If we are being led by pressure, we're going to make bad decisions. Amen. We're going to make split-second decisions that are bad, that are not okay. Sometimes you have to sit for a second and say, God, what do I do here? God, where do I go? God, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to answer this? I have been dealing with some of this in my own life too because I recently got a promotion at work and I'll actually be running a restaurant in Breckenridge now. So the cool thing for me is I got a promotion. I got, you know, raised and stuff like that too. So I'll be running Main Street in Breckenridge. So that's gonna be cool Um, from St. Louis because I don't have to drive over there every day. But there's a whole different level of stuff that happens now because I'm responsible for a store that makes a lot of money right? So, and I am responsible for eight to ten people at any given time that I have to be careful and watch over and thousands of dollars of stock. And I'm, I'm thinking about it, in the last couple of days, I'm just like, oh, God, help me. <laughs> just like stressing about it. Michael's like, what are you so worried about? You got the Holy Ghost. I was like, stop being so holy, woman, okay? Stop. Stop being so holy and right, okay? My wife is like a little mini Holy Ghost, okay? She, she says things, and I'm like, that was from God, but stop. That's, don't stop, but... Why do you always have to be right all the time? <laughs> Anyways, we're going to talk about um, a specific verse. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you at the tail end of this, but for now, go to 3 John. It's right before Jude and Revelation. It's the uh, third to last book in the Bible. So 1 John, Second John, 3 John, then Jude and Revelation. So go to the very back of your Bible and then turn left, <laughs> and you'll find it. 3 John, and there's only one chapter in this book, so we're actually going to verse 2. It's going to be 3 John 1-2. And most of you guys, um, if you're familiar, if you've read the books of John, this is probably like one of the main verses that you read in 3 John. It's a really weird letter if you look at it because there's there's not a lot to it. It's just one little paragraph, basically one little page, just like a quick little note card uh, that Paul wrote to a church leader. Um, And it says this. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved... I pray in all respects that you would prosper, amen, and that you would be in good health even as your soul prospers. I pray in all respects that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. There is a connection between your physical health and your soul. There is a connection between your finances, amen, and your soul. If the soul, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, the way you feel about things, all these different things, right? Your spirit is the real you, all right? You look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 22, 23, you look in there. It says that I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless until the, the day of the Lord. And in Genesis, we're made in God's image. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is a three part being. Man is spirit, soul, and body. With my body, I contact the physical world. If I didn't have a body, I couldn't touch things. I couldn't smell things. I couldn't feel things, right? So my, my, the, the voice, if you will, of my body is my five senses. Taste, touch, smell, all those different things, right? That's how I access and interact with the physical world. My spirit is the part of me that connects directly to the Holy Spirit. When I pray in the Holy Ghost, that's the spirit inside of me praying. That's the deep that the Bible says. Deep cries out to deep the deep within me cries out to the deep of God because God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But if God is a spirit and I am made in the image of God, I am a spirit being. So me living at, at, at me exalting the, the flesh and my physical body above everything else is backwards. What I have to do is I have to understand I'm not a body, I'm a spirit. I operate on a different level I operate on a different plane, if you will. I'm not, the people that are spiritually dead don't have access to the same things that I have access to. Because in John 14, 17, it says the spirit, the world doesn't know the Holy Spirit. It does not see him, it doesn't know him, it doesn't understand what he's doing. I have access to something that they don't. The world, in the world system, you live on how smart you are, you live on how physically handsome or beautiful or strong that you are, right? That's the way that the world lives. But in, the, in, in Christianity, in relationship with God, my spirit has to be the strongest part of me, the one where I don't look to my reasoning, I don't look to my physical strength, I look to the Holy Ghost on the inside. And that's the first route that I use to attack the enemy and praise, right? That's what we talked about. You don't live based off of how you're feeling, you don't try to fight with, with natural things, you fight with the Holy Spirit inside of you. It says, I pray that in all respects you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So if my soul is sick, that is then going to affect my money and it's going to affect my physical body. And we have doctor studies to prove it, right? Because we just talked about the fear, the anxiety. And I mentioned it last week as well. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but the, the mark that sin leaves on your spirit is spiritual death, disconnection from God, separation from God. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that they might know you, the one true God, right? And Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So spiritual life and spiritual death is this. Spiritual death is I'm no longer connected to God. I've lost my connection. It's been severed. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Spiritual life is I am reconnected back to God. I can hear his voice. I can know him. I can experience his presence like we did tonight when Michael was praying. It was beautiful. It was just peace. It was great, right? The mark that sin leaves on my spirit is spiritual death. The mark that sin leaves on my body is sickness. That's the physical manifestation of sin in my body, The manifestation of sin in my spirit, I lose my connection with God. The manifestation of sin in my body is I then became sick. I have cancer, things break down in my joints, I have problems in my feet, I lose my hearing, I lose my sight, I lose something, right? That's the mark of sin on your physical body. But redemption, just like it restores our relationship to God, means that my physical body gets healed. In its most simple foundational form, that's what it is. Sin's mark on your soul is fear, anxiety, worry, all these different things. Because again, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The emotions that I have are not always good and they're not always from God, right? Because Jesus never let his emotions control him in a place of, well, I just feel like doing this, so I'm gonna do that. He said, I only, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say, right? A mark of immaturity is just saying whatever you want and not caring about the consequences and not caring about what other people say right? That's a mark of immaturity physically and also spiritually, because spiritually, a spiritually mature person understands my words have power, and what I say has an effect on somebody. So when I become more spiritually mature, I'm more careful about the words that I speak, because it says a fool is known for his abundance of words in the book of Proverbs, right? So what happens is then my soul, being sick, looks like depression, anxiety, worry, all these different things, and I was there for a long time. I don't, I don't talk about it like it, to some of the degrees that I went to in, the, in those places but as a teenager I was extremely depressed like there was times when I was like I should probably just die because it would be better if I did and I had conversations and I even talked to my cousin one time and I was like I should never have been born like these horrible thoughts like they were going through my head about like I should just die I should just whatever I wish I'd never been born just like a total misunderstanding why because I didn't know who God said that I was I didn't have that relationship with God that I needed right? So my soul was sick. But when God gave me new life, when God began to show me, this is who you are, that began to change the way that I thought. And according to Romans 12, too, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Transformation for you and me begins to happen when we begin to change the way that we think. Transformation for you and me begins to happen when we change the way we think. What, what does that mean, Josh? What that means is I don't begin to think with my own intelligence, my own reasoning, I begin to think what this book says. I begin to think what the Word says, right? The Bible says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God's Word is truth. So when I know Him, when I know his words, when I know the truth in this Bible, that will begin to set me free and that will begin to break off the thought patterns that I've let dominate my life. Because you guys know the cycle. If I start to think about, oh, I wonder how many people would show up to my funeral, that you're going down a bad place right there. You're going down a bad track. And that was just, it's a, a dramatic thing that I had when I was, ha- when I was a teenager. I am just like, I'm not good at anything. Nobody likes me, blah, blah, blah. And the problem was I kept on feeding that thing. And anything that you feed is going to live. Anything that you starve is going to die. That's the basic truth of it. Anything you feed is going to grow and get stronger. Anything you starve is going to die. So, if I am feeding depression by giving in to those thoughts, and if I am feeding anxiety, oh no, we're going to lose the house. Oh no, I'm going to lose my job. Oh no, I'm going to lose my store that I just got. Okay, okay. <laughs> first of all, the worst thing that could happen to a Christian is you die. I get to go with Jesus, I don't lose when it comes down to it, that's the most the, the, at the most basic thing. What's the worst thing the enemy can do to me? He can send you to go be with Jesus forever. Oh, no! Not Jesus forever, no! Not the one that I love more than anybody else in this whole world that died for me and prepared a place for me and has pleasure beyond description. Oh, no, you're going to send me over there to be with him? I don't want to die. I'm not saying that. I'm like, I want to see my kids grow up and I want to mentor them and I want to be their dad. But when it comes down to it, like the worst thing that could happen as a Christian is I could die. That it just removes the fear of death, right? Like yeah. it's, it's just a crazy thing. The places that we go in our mind because if we really understood how our thoughts affected us, we would be way more careful about the stuff that we let in That's why I'm so careful about the music I listen to. But because because when I was struggling with depression, I was listening to music that talked about how nobody understood me, nobody cared about me, nobody. And the thing was that that was doing is that was feeding that thing inside of me, right? That was feeding the lie. So what I needed to quit doing is I quit listening to depressing music. I quit reading depressing things on there. I quit watching so many like awful things on the news and. In watching all these dramatic movies where somebody got cancer and then they died and like, their kids are there and their parents are there and everybody's just crying and sobbing, just like, oh, you're dying. Like, because what I cannot afford to do is I cannot afford to exalt sin and sickness above the name of Jesus in my life. I cannot afford to exalt my emotions above the name of Jesus or above the word of God. And if I live sensual, the Bible says that's death. The mind set on the flesh is death but it says the mindset on the spirit is life and peace in Jesus Christ. My mindset is so critically important because if I'm thinking about, well, those test results, what's those test results going to say? What are those test results going to say? My clinic can attest to the fact that when she got pregnant with Josie, there was this huge battle that happened on the inside of her where she was believing for a supernatural childbirth, that I'm going to give birth to a baby with no pain. All right? And we see it in the Bible. All right? Jesus took every pain, every sickness, every pain, that includes childbirth. Right. I don't understand how Jesus took childbirth because he was a dude <laughs> and didn't have ovaries and didn't have all those other things inside of him and like, you know, it didn't have a womb. I don't know how he did that, but he did it. You look back in the Old Testament, like it says in, in, when the Hebrews were in Egypt, your Hebrew women have birth quickly and they're not even in pain. They have birth different than the Egyptian women. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to prove that to you necessarily. You can just go look at it in the Bible if you want. Don't take my word for it. Go read it for the Bible. But there was a book called Supernatural Childbirth by Terry Mize, a Ter- Jackie Mize. It's by Jackie Mize, right? And she talked about how she had a supernatural childbirth. And Mike Lynn will tell you that there was a moment that, that something was planted inside of her, the thought of, well, that's not what that scripture says. You can't believe God for a supernatural childbirth. And one of her friends told her that. And what that did is it planted a seed of doubt inside of her. And what happened is, as it progressed along, she began to question that and question it, and she took what the Word of God said and let that thing trump what the Word of God said. And when she had birth with Josie, she was in labor for 30 hours, and I watched as she almost died and like, lost almost all the blood like all over the table. It was just one of the worst experiences of my life because I watched her in pain, there was nothing I could do about it. Right? I didn't think there was anything I could do because the enemy had me so trapped and paralyzed, I wasn't even praying for my wife. I was huddling in a corner afraid. So what happened is because that seed of doubt happened, because I was like, God didn't come through for us right here, that removes my confidence then to go pray for my wife when she was in trouble. Do you see how bad this thing can get once it starts to affect our thinking? Because her not getting what what she was requiring or what she was asking for then affected my perception of the situation. And because she wasn't having a supernatural childbirth, that removed my confidence then to go pray for her to be healed and for her to get through it. It's only the grace of God that she survived it. She should have died. That's just the truth of it. But afterwards, she talked about how she began to think different, and she asked God, and God told her, it's about your thinking. You lost confidence in who I am. You lost confidence in the word of God. So what happens is the devil tries to interrupt that thing that happens inside of us. He tries to change our thinking right so when we get confident in the word of god yes by the by the stripes of jesus christ i am healed by the stripes of jesus christ i am not going to be sick anymore i'm going to be functioning at full capacity i'm not going to have any problems giving birth to kids or getting pregnant i'm not going to have any problems with my physical body i'm going to walk i'm going to run i'm going to see i'm going to hear i'm not going to get old and have problems all these things right and then the devil goes yeah well you can't really believe that well that's not what the verse says in context have you ever heard about job don't get me started on Job. We'll probably take a week and discuss that, but do you guys know that, That <laughs> maybe I should have saved that for a different week. Go read the end of the book of Job. All the stuff that Job said about God, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, all those other things about, about all, those, all those things that Job said about God. There's a whole misunderstanding in the body of Christ about Job because of the fact that people don't. People sometimes don't get into the word and listen and look at it for themselves. What it's, it's very, very specific at the end of the book of Job. All right, I'm going to read you one quick verse, and I think that it'll really, uh, it'll really help you. Then Job said to the Lord, because God comes out and says, "I'm not the one that's doing this to you." Look in chapter forty-one. Job 42, the Lord, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. He says, I didn't know what I was talking about at the beginning of the book when I said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Things too wonderful for me, for which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak. I will ask you and you will instruct me. I have heard of you, only by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. And there I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. At the end of the book of Job, Job says everything I said before was wrong because I didn't even know you. I heard about you, but I didn't know you. I never saw you face to face. People take the book of Job and then use that to say, you can't believe for healing. God's just going to kill you. God's going to take your kid. I read an article on Facebook the other day from a Christian website that talked about how God might just take your kids away. God might just kill your kids, because he killed Jesus. And who can understand, like, if God killed his son, he might kill your son, too. What? Are you kidding me? On a Christian website? What? I don't know if people understand that they're going to answer for the things that they say. Teachers, like it says, are going to be held to a higher standard. And God have mercy on people that are putting that kind of junk out on Facebook. We're going to talk about um, a couple different verses in Proverbs. And I really love these sections. So if you want to turn to the book of Proverbs real quick, we're going to talk about some of your thought life and just put some scripture to this so it's legal, because it's not if I don't put scripture to it. <laughs> Proverbs 4, 22 and 23. Actually, let's go... I'll read 20 through 23. Yeah, Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. And it says this in the New American Standard. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings and do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and they are health to all their body. God's word, you have to pay attention to. You have to incline your ear. You have to stay focused. You have to keep the promises in front of you. And if you keep the promises in front of you and if you are diligent and if you're saying, God, I'm not gonna let this thing go. I'm gonna keep this in front of me until this is more real than what I feel. That's when it becomes life to all your flesh and all of your body. They are life to those who find them, his words, and health to all their body. Verse twenty three, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. In your spirit, your spirit is where your life flows from. Your physical, your physical, your physical health at some points and to some degree is a reflection of your of your health inside the outside is a reflection of what's inside right so think about it like this okay if i if i'm focused on the wrong thing my face will tell you <laughs> my countenance will tell you the reality that i'm most aware of That's just the truth of it. My face will tell you if I'm focused on God or if I'm focused on myself. If I'm focused on my problems or if I'm focused on God. Because if I'm thinking, man, we're knocking up enough money. Man, we're going down. Man, this is awful. Blah, 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 blah. Josh, what's wrong? Oh, nothing. Nothing's wrong. Man, I'm good. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. God, what's going on right now? Gosh, this is awful. Wow, God, I thought you would come through for me. Oh, hi, how you doing? How you doing? We we get so weird on some of these things. That's not faith. That's being double-minded. Being double-minded is being stuck between two opinions, all right? And it says that the double-minded man shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. One of the translations says this. um, Carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. That's the CEV. Carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. The GNT version says this. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Wow. This begins to explain things that I've had problems with in my own life, where, where my, my thinking about, about some of the things that I've encountered in my own body, my thoughts about it. I told you how I struggled with my knee being healed for, for weeks, and I normally don't struggle with something not being healed for a while, but my thoughts got so toxic on this area that I wasn't even thinking life. I was just thinking death all the time about, wow, this hurts. I'm in so much pain. God, why didn't you do this? God, I'm in so much pain. It, it's just, you, you heard that, right? Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. Wow, that's amazing. Turn over a couple pages to Proverbs 17, 22. This is really great in a couple translations too. I'm sure you guys have heard the verse uh, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. But I wanted to hit it in a couple different translations because I think it adds a little bit more clarity to some of these things and just to understand um, some of the Hebrew that comes out of here a little bit. Proverbs 17:22, A joyful heart is good medicine. A joyful heart, but a broken spirit dries up your bones. Brokenness inside of you affects your flesh, dries up your bones, saps your strength. The CEV says this, if you are cheerful, you feel good. If you are sad, you hurt all over. That's about as basic as you can get right there. I read that, I'm like, wow, that's like, I I get that. I feel feel that, all right? I get that. There's no questions about that verse in the contemporary English right there. (laughs) If you are cheerful, you feel good. If you are sad, you hurt all over. That's about as basic as it can get right there. My attitude, my thoughts, if I am focused on the right thing, focused on God, I feel good. If I'm sad, I hurt all over. And everyone said, amen. (laughs) The GNT version says this, being cheerful keeps you healthy. It is a slow death to be gloomy all the time. Wow. God began to take me through these translations of these verses and say, hey, check out this translation. Hey, check out that. Go over this section of Proverbs, and I'm reading it going, how did I not know this was in the Bible? (laughs) Being cheerful keeps you healthy. It is a slow death to be gloomy all the time. Talking about your thought life, what are you thinking on? What are you focusing on? What are you meditating on? Are you gonna praise and break through it and change the way you think? Because this has to be aggressively done. We can't just let whatever happens happen to us. We can't have this "k sarah sarah" life of whatever will be, will just be. No, whatever you say will be whatever you think about will come to pass. Job talked about it in the, in, in the book of Job. It says, that which I have feared has come upon me. Your fear actually attracts negative things in your life. Yeah. What happens is, is when you fear something, what you're doing is you're pulling it towards yourself. And Job said, I'm afraid because I think my kids have sinned and I don't know about it. So I'm going to offer all these different sacrifices and I'm going to be paranoid and I don't know about my flocks. You know, I'm just going to have to put all these people over there to guard them and watch over them. He's so afraid what he's doing and speaking this stuff out is just drawing that thing that he's afraid of to come destroy him. You guys see this, right? That which you fear, you empower. Because when I fear something, I'm not going to attack it. When I fear something, I'm just going to let it overpower me. The only reason I fear something is because I don't know that I have authority over it. The reason that I'm afraid of this sickness is because I don't think that the blood of Jesus is actually enough to kill that sickness. That sounds like a harsh statement, but that's just the truth. If I refuse to pray for somebody because of the condition, I don't believe that God has enough strength to fix that condition. If I'm not speaking life over my mind about emotions, you will bow to me you will bow to jesus christ you will bow to the holy ghost you will not think the way that you want to think you're going to think according to the way that his word says well josh that's weird i don't want to sound like that i don't want to say that do you want change in your life you got to start talking to your body you got to start talking to your spirit or you got to start talking to your soul rather You've got to start telling, mind, you're going to think on whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good report, whatever is just, whatever is true. Those are the things that I'm going to think on, and I thank you, Jesus, that you are more than enough for me. Getting your mindset focused on who Jesus is, rather than what the problem is around you. But the, the issue is that we, that we don't, and at it's most basic, this is just how God talks to me. If I'm afraid of something, it's because I don't see his power over it, and I don't see my authority over it. That's good preaching right there. (laughs) Turn over to Proverbs 19, verse 16. This is another one that just kind of slapped me right in the face when I read it, too. The Bible does that. It's like a good slap, though. It's like a, hey, look at that. Look at that. Because it answers questions. Proverbs 19, 16. He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of conduct will die. Wow. He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul but he who is careless of conduct will die. Can I read to you what the Hebrew says in here? He who keeps the commandment, that commandment right there is talking about the laws, the precepts, the ordinances, the word of God. He who keeps and obeys the word of God keeps his soul. And that word keep right there means to observe, to look at, to pay attention to, to hedge about guarding, protecting, attending to. He who keeps the law, the precept, and the commandment of God, observes, hedges about, guards, and protects his soul. But he who is careless of conduct, that careless of conduct phrase is actually one Hebrew word. It means to disesteem, to despise, to disdain, or to think scornfully. So let me read this to you with the Hebrew in here. He who keeps the law, the precept, the ordinances, the word of God observes, hedges about as a guard, protects, and attends to his soul. But he who disesteems, who dis, dis despises, disdains, and thinks scornfully of the word of God will die. Wow. He who keeps his focus on this commandment, he who obeys this word of God, will guard, protect his soul. But he who doesn't think this is good enough who doesn't esteem the word of God, who disdains, who thinks scornfully on this word, will die. The Good News translation says this, keep God's laws and you will live longer. If you ignore them, you will die. Again, about as basic as I can get right there. Keep God's laws and you will live longer. If you ignore them, you will die. The thought life is so incredibly important and why like <laughs> as if all of this wasn't enough because it's the source of true life because your life is shaped by your thoughts because when we obey it we we, we extend our life Matthew twelve thirty four says this in the NIV for the mouth speaks that which the heart is full of your mouth will speak that which your heart is full of the new living translation says whatever is in your heart determines what you say the thoughts that you have are going to come out of your mouth. So here's the, here's the thing that the devil does. Let me show you real quick. And this is this, is, this is the way that God explained me. What the devil will try to do for Kara, all right? Kara's reading the word of God. She's studying the word of God. She's getting to know the promises of the word of God. The devil will take a thought. You see this in the Garden of Eden with Eve, right? Because what happens is the devil slivers over and he starts talking to her and puts a thought in her head that questions God's word. So the devil slivers over to, to Kara hey, you know, you're not gonna be able to fulfill the dreams that God has for you. And Kara's like, nope, I know the thoughts that God has for me, plans to prosper me. It's, yeah, like Jeremiah 29, 11, yeah. Like, no, God's got a good plan for me. God has more thoughts for me than sand on the seashore and every one of those is good thoughts. God knew me before I was born in my mother's womb. God knows me, God has plans for me. And the devil's like, hey, 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 but, but you're, not gonna, you're not gonna fulfill the call of God in your life. You're not gonna fulfill the call of God in your life. You're not, nope, you know, you're gonna mess it up. He has plans, but you're going to mess it up somehow because you're not, that, you're not the person you need to be. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good looking enough. You're not, you don't have the right resources. All these things that, that if we're going to be honest, we've all had that stuff whispered to us before. Yeah. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not, you're not qualified. I'm glad I'm not qualified to do what God's called me to do because then I'd be relying on my own strength and I wouldn't be relying on grace. So thank God. I used to be so afraid of public speaking. I would not get up in front of people and talk. Now it's the thing that God's just like, go do it. And I still get a little bit nervous, but I know I rely on the grace of God and it works. If Kara takes that thought, what happens is that thought goes into her and then drops down into her heart if she doesn't get rid of it. So then what happens is then it will come out of her mouth and then it will happen. So the devil can't get into your heart and change your heart. What he tries to do is get into your soul and then change your heart. So what he tries to do is get into your thought life. And if he can tweak your thought life and get it wrong, what happens is then he can get into your heart and then it comes out of your mouth. The devil can't just wiggle your tongue and make you say destruction. Because listen, you have to believe in your heart and say with your mouth for something to happen. So if he can get you by thoughts to then believe that lie, then you will speak it out and then you will be destroyed because the power of death and life is in your tongue. Right? So, what happens is if my thinking gets affected by the devil, then I'm going to start speaking death and then experiencing death. Uh-huh. I think it, I take it, and then I speak it. That's the process of destruction that we're seeing right here. And in your healing, because this is healing school, I know we talked about this is a long path to get to right here. In your life, when those thoughts come, you have to say no. Right. You have to fight the way that Jesus fought. Yeah. And I wish that I could just have you come up here and I could lay hands on you. You will never experience another lie from the devil again? Ah, glory! It doesn't work like that. I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You... <laughs> Here's the thing. We have to get to the point in our relationship with God where we automatically do this. Yeah. Where automatically, when the devil brings a lie to me, I do what Jesus did in the wilderness. The devil says, hey, hey, jump off the temple. Jesus says, It is written. Hey, hey, bow down and worship me, and then I'll give you everything. It is written. Hey, turn these stones into bread. Turn these stones into, oh, look at that rock over there. (laughs) Can't you see an Italian loaf out of that thing, baby? Oh, man, think about how steamy fresh that is. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens is the devil comes and whispers things to Jesus. Hey, hey, do this, think this. And it's funny because the chapter before Jesus goes into wilderness, at the very end of it, Jesus is anointed. God rends the heavens. If you look at it in the Greek, it says he violently tore the heavens open. The same word actually, don't quote me on this, but you have to double check it, but I'm 99% sure. The same tearing that he did to the veil after Jesus died. The tearing open when the Holy Spirit dropped onto Jesus. The same tearing that Jesus had when he rose from the grave and destroyed sin. He tore the heavens open and sent down the Holy Spirit as a dove onto Jesus in that moment and said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Literally the next verse, Jesus goes out into the wilderness and the devil says, if you are the son of God. What? God says, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. If you are the son of God. God literally just spoke to Jesus and said, you're my son. Guys, look, this is my son. This is my son. I do that with Theo sometimes. Like, hey, look, this is my son. Yeah, look at him. Like when he was a baby. Hey, check him. have you seen my son Theo? Yeah, he's cute, I know. Yeah, looks just like his daddy. That's where he gets his good looks, yeah. But anyways, <laughs> what happens is God says, this is my beloved son. And Jesus is there hearing this and the Holy Spirit comes upon him and stays, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit stays and resides on him. So he goes out into the wilderness led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be refined, to fast, to to do that thing, resist the devil, to resist temptation, to walk out what God's called him to do. The Holy Spirit comes and abides on him. The first tack from the devil is, if you are the son of God, the devil will try to question that which God speaks to you the minute that you hear it. When I prophesy over you, God says that you're going to have $1,000 by next week. The devil goes, you're not going to have $1,000 by next week. Instantly. Instantly. The minute that you read something in here, that thought will come up of, well, by Jesus' stripes you were healed. Well, you're not really healed, are you? So that just can't be true. Calling God a liar. If you are the son of God, well, God just lied to you, Jesus. You're not really God's son. Do we understand or do we under, are we beginning to see this the lie tries to get into your heart yes. it's like if i ingest poison if i ingest poison it's going to slowly start to kill me and then when it hits my heart it's going to flow outwards and just destroy me and kill me it's going to get into my blood and then my heart is going to be pumping that poison throughout my entire body that's what we do when we take wrong thoughts we're ingesting poison from the devil we're letting it sit inside of us and then get all over our body we're killing ourselves by listening to the lies of the enemy when the devil says you're not going to be free from the sickness, you're not, your womb is not going to be complete and whole, you're never going to have kids, you're never going to, you're never going to be free from this, from this depression, you're never going to be free from this thing that's in your soul, in your heart, all these different things, when we, when we take that and when we play with it, it begins to kill us. God wants us to walk free from that. Right? And we've read all these different verses about the way that you think de- determine the... Your life. Let me read this verse out of um, Isaiah. You don't need to turn it, turn to there, but you can mark it down if you want, real quick, because I'm trying to finish up right here and land. Isaiah 54, 14 through 17. Isaiah 54, 14 through 17. It says this, and I had never seen this, but God God took me here, and I, I love it. It says this in Isaiah 54, 14. In righteousness you will be established. My right standing with God is how I am locked into this thing. Because the question we have now is, Josh, how do I walk in this thing? How do I deny it? First, you speak the word of God against it. If you don't have the word of God, you have no ammunition in your gun. You have nothing to shoot back at the devil when he says, hey, you're not healed. You fire back with, yeah, according to Jeremiah 30, 17, I am restored to health, and God healed me of all my wounds. According to Psalm 103, he healed me of all sicknesses and all diseases. He forgave me of all of iniquity. I will not forget his benefits. According to 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes I was healed. If you have those, the, those bullets that you can just shoot off at the devil and say, no, you're wrong. This is the truth of it. Right. That's one way we defend ourselves. It says, in righteousness you will be established. If I understand who I am in Christ, that will keep me rock solid. When the devil's trying to push against me and trying to knock me off my foundation, I will be solid. And this is who God says I am. I will not accept anything else. In righteousness you will be established. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear. If I am established in righteousness, that automatically defends me from fear. Right. It's automatic. If I understand this is who God says I am, there's no there's none of this fear because we we take guilt, shame, condemnation, all these ugly things. You realize what guilt, shame, and condemnation is, right? I when I say that sometimes, this is the illustration I got. Guilt says, I'm not forgiven. Shame says it's who I am. And condemnation says I deserve punishment. Guilt says I'm not forgiven. Shame says, this is who I am, and condemnation says, I deserve punishment. This will automatically defend you from those three things. And the Bible specifically warns us about guilt, shame, and condemnation. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear, and from terror, for it will not come near you. I know a lot of people that have struggled with panic attacks. If you will understand your righteousness, if you will look into the face of Jesus and say, teach me what this word says, that will free you from panic that will free you from fear. I, I, I have people close in my life that struggle with those things. And when they, when they learned who they were in Christ, those things just began to fall away. If anyone fiercely attacks you, it will not be from me. Whoever assails you will fall because of you. It doesn't say because of me. It says because of you. Why? Because God's not going to go in and wiggle your mouth any more than the devil is. You choose. You choose. God said in the book of Joshua, I've set before you life and death. Choose life. (laughs) He says, here's the test. And by the way, I'm giving you the answer ahead of time. Press option A. Circle option A on the test. It's a multiple choice. It's 50-50, but really it's 100-0 because God says, hey, the answer is this one right here. Pick this answer. I've set before you life and death. You choose life. I have the ability to choose life and death in my own life. In my body, I have the ability to choose life and death. If anyone fiercely attacks you, it will not be from me. Removing the fear of God's going to punish me. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. You will condemn. This is the responsibility that we have. Every tongue that rises in judgment against me, when the devil, the accuser of the brethren, comes against me, I use my tongue yeah. as a weapon to attack him, not attack myself. Because I can use my tongue to just, just attack myself and slice myself to pieces, or I can send the devil packing. Yeah. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. That's so good. That's Isaiah 54, for those of you guys that haven't seen it. It's so good. Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The international standard says this, You will be kept perfectly peaceful, the one whose mind remains focused on you, because he remains in you. That's so good. You will keep perfectly peaceful, the one whose mind remains focused on you if I think about God, if I, put, if, I, if I discipline myself to the point where I'm not going to think about those other things, I'm just going to focus on your goodness. Yeah. I understand this isn't a jumping, shouting, preaching message, but this will help you if you will take it and listen to it. Yeah. With per, the God, uh, God's Word translation says this, With perfect peace, you will protect those whose minds cannot be changed because they trust in you. Wow. With perfect peace... You will protect those whose minds cannot be changed. My mind will not change. I will believe Jesus. I will believe that what he says is true. I will believe that Psalm 91 is true in my life. It's true in the life of my children. That he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that when I dwell in God's presence, under the shadow of the Almighty, that I will say my fortress and my refuge, in God, whom I trust. He delivers me from the snare of the trapper, the deadly pestilence. He covers me with his pinions and under his wings I seek refuge. His faithfulness is my shield and my bulwark. I will not be afraid of the terror by night. Amen. Amen. Or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand can fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not approach me. I will look on my eye, with my eyes on the recompense of the wicked for I have made the Lord my refuge the most high my dwelling place. No evil will befall me or any plague come near my home. I quote that verse over my kids. No evil will befall me or no plague will come near my home. He will give his angels charge concerning me to guard me in all my ways. I will bear, they will bear me up in their hands and I will not strike my foot against a stone. I will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent I will trample down because he has loved me, God says. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. If I do not know the name of Jesus, I will not be set securely on high. Not because of God, but because I am not clinging to the name that is above all names. And I am not using the name above all names. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He will call me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Your thought life, what you think about, will determine the course of your life. Your thought life will shorten or increase your life. Your thought life, what you give place to, will determine what you speak. And what you speak is what you will have. If you will focus instead of on the problem, worshiping God. Saying, God, this is who you are, I'm going to minister to you. I'm not going to focus on those things because compared to you, these things are tiny. I'm going to focus on who you say I am. I'm not going to give place to guilt, shame, condemnation, all these other things that try to lie to me and get me to, get me to bite on the fish hook of the enemy. I'm going to focus on you. Yes. It takes effort. But I promise you, if you will put in the effort, God, God's word will work in your life. Amen. But you've got you to be diligent. You've got to get down and you've got to say, God, teach me this word. I, my life didn't start to change until I took this book right here. And even if it was for five or ten minutes, because I have kids, but I would force myself to get up early in the morning and I would, I would kneel and I would open it up and say, God, teach me. Yeah. Teach me. I have to know this. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Think about it like this. If I'm training physically, one of the person I know said it like this. He, he does a lot of CrossFit. So, you know, he's like, yeah, get strong. CrossFit does a lot of working out and stuff, right? He said, I thought it was for training. I was training for me until in the middle of a busy intersection an old man fell down. Fell down, like, there's cars in the intersection, right? So the guy runs out there, picks up the guy and throws him over his shoulder and runs on the other side of the street and gets him out of traffic. He said, I thought I was training for my own benefit, but I was training for the benefit of others. When you train, it's not just for you. When you get spiritually strong, it's not just for you. When you get strong and confident on the area of healing and identity, this is who I am. This is not going to change because that's what the verse said. Whose mind cannot be changed. I will not listen to the lie of the enemy. I will not listen to the lie of the world. I will not listen to other people who try to say that I'm less than what God has said. When you train that way, it's not just for you, it's for others. Because what you know and your revelation about God can change the course of someone's life. It can save someone's life because you have a word in season, because you know the voice of God, because you are confident about who he has called you to be and what he has called you to do. And when you're somewhere difficult, you will not move because God says, I called you there, stay there until I tell you to move. We've got to be confident in this. But the only way I become confident and unmoving is when I get the word of God in here because it will automatically shut my ears to the enemy. And when the word of God comes out, I recognize the lie because if it doesn't sound like the word of God, it instantly just goes like that. I won't take it. When, When my body says I'm sick, nope, I'm the healed of the Lord. This is what we need the word of God in our hearts. Don't believe a lie. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight, for healing school. Um, God, thank you for the word that you've brought forth and the things that you've showed me even while I was preaching. God, help us this week as we study, as we get alone with you, as we seek your face. God, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would flow in our life, that we would begin to see you for who you are, that we begin to see ourselves for who we really are. And God, that we would see those around us for how you've created them healed with hope. God, that we would have a word in season to those who are sad, those who are depressed. And God, the hurting and the lost around us. God, that we would look up and that we would see the harvest and know that it is ripe. And God, that we have the sickle in our hand, which is your voice, because you know the word that every person needs around us. So lead us in truth, God. Protect us this week, just like you said in your word. We thank you, Father, and we love you so much. You're amazing. Amen. If you guys need prayer for physical healing or you're believing for uh, manifestation, we would love to pray with you and agree with you that, um, that the enemy is bowing to the word of God and to the name of God. Um, so Michael and I will be up front. If you guys need prayer, if you guys need agreement on something, we will stand with you in faith and believe that the uh, enemy doesn't stand a chance. Amen. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you guys on Sunday and then next Thursday for prayer and healing school.